Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Listen, I've got a really, really cool guest for you today. Um, one of the coolest, I gotta say. So I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Then I'm going to read the poem that I wrote about this man's life. Say hello, everybody. Say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Frankie Pizarro here. Frankie Pizarro. So, Frankie, I wrote you a poem, kiddo, and I'm going to read it. And this will let everybody out there, I'm sure most people know you, but the few that don't, they'll really get to know who you are, okay? Yep. Here goes. My guest today is a real hero to me. 9-11 responder and firefighter is he. New York City Fire Department, over 21 years you served. All your achievements are surely well-deserved. Frankie Pizarro... (laughs) who served in Iraq, I thank God he brought you back. Born and raised in New York, your parents both sang. They both sang as the church bells rang. Your dad was a pastor, church choirs you sang. Dad sang opera to the Christian gang. Dad built you a stool at six years old to sing in a church a solo, I'm told. At six years old, an eight-track tape gifted. It was the platters. Your soul was now lifted. You played it till it broke. That eight-track had its season. When you started singing, the platters were the reason. The apple does not fall far from the tree. An ordained pastor was for you to be. You sang with church groups and local guys on street corners and in shows. You also loved to sing solo on stage, anything goes. The artist you sang with just blows me away. James Ingram, Tony Bennett, Barbara Streisand. No way. The Temptations and Four Tops? Are you kidding me? I hung out with the Tops. They were friends with me. The latest PBS special you also performed, now building your own show, The World You've Stormed. From doo-wop to opera, rhythm and blues and jazz, your voice has no boundaries, it's filled with pizzazz. You've toured the world. Asia and Europe are two. North and South America, just to name a few. Some of the biggest stages and arenas you would sing, from 10 people at a fair, 250,000 Spain would bring. Singing at park events and arenas in London, you'd sing to get paid and you would sing for fun. The Westminster Dog Show, you even sang there, but the national anthem shows that you care. At the World Series, you opened with that. Playoff games also, many teams at bat. You sang for the Yankees, you sang for the Mets, you sang for the Giants, you sang for the Nets. The Knicks and the Rangers, the Islanders too. Damn Frank Pizarro, who didn't you do? For such a young man, you've done so much. I'm sure there are more lives you will touch. But here's the cool part, the coolest of all. This day changed your life when you got that call. Herb Reed was the guy. The platters he formed and still kept it going, asking you to perform. Your childhood idols, the group you adored, you be will you will be part of for ten years on board. But the one thing for sure, till the day that you die, the singing fireman, my friend, forever you'll be that guy. That's for you, Frankie. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I could not wait to read that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know, all right, first of all, um, before we start this interview, I want to play 
one of my favorite songs from the platters okay my prayer we've got to start this show with that okay okay so everybody here we go the platters my prayer Wow, that's one of my favorites. What's your favorite platter song? That's it right there. Oh, listen, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Incredible. So Angel is in the house. She's saying hello. Um, so hey, let's Angel. so let's start this incredible interview. Okay, I'm going to tell you why this is going to be one of my favorites. I'm a New Yorker as well. Grew up, born and raised in Long Island City, New York. I have firemen and policemen in my family. Um, so I give you all the praises in the world for that and all the thank yous for that. My uncle that came from uh, Italy, but, you know, we they've been here since he was 10. You know, it's like over 65 years. He became an American Marine. And, you know, so I just you know, think you guys are just incredible anyway just for serving us, and I thank you again for that. So... So here's what I want to ask you. Your dad was a pastor. 
And you yes. grew up singing in the church. Yes. And you are now an ordained minister. I am. Okay, that is also cool to me because I'm a Christian. So I was, I'm reading all your facts and I'm like, and the four tops, I used to hang out with them back in the day. (laughs) Okay. So I was just like, you got to be kidding me with all this information, but let's start this interview with, with some things you want everyone to know. Okay. Okay. So your life now, let's talk about that. What's happening now with your life? Well, I just finished up a tour. And so what I'm doing now, aside from keeping my chops up doing the little uh, private events and things is I'm in the process of building my big show. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to tell you too much about it because okay. you know how it is. Okay. But uh, I'm definitely working on that, and it's gonna it's gonna encompass a lot of my life, and doing a lot of the big tunes that I like to do and do them the way I want to. So that that's really what I'm looking forward to. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, that's awesome. So I want to talk about the platters. Okay, because I just have to. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. You know, I never got to see Elvis. You know, Elvis is my guy. But I have the ticket that I was supposed to go. I was 16 when he passed away. But I still have the ticket and I have it framed. Right. So to me, that would have been like me at least being at his concert and meeting him. You know, and it doesn't compare to you singing with the group that started this for you. Well, you know, it was it was an experience. You know, like I, like you said, you know, I started singing when I was six years old, and I had this tape, and I played it, and pretty much sang along with all the songs. So I know a lot of the obscure ones that a lot of people don't know. But uh, as time passed, of course, it broke, and I cried like a little girl. <laughs> it was it was it, it was it was traumatizing to me. But Aww. fast forward, I, I was singing around, and I found out that Herb Reed was still alive and still performing. I had no idea, so I submitted my uh, my demo, and about a month later, I get a call, and I, I'm at the firehouse. I'm on a shift, and I get a call, and I, hello? It's like, yes, sir. He says, uh, may I please speak to Frankie? I'm like, now I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to be kind, because it's an older guy, and I'm at work, and I'm trying to be like, I can't be on the phone at work, and I don't know who it is, so he says, uh, is this Frankie? I'm like, Yes, it is. How can I help you? Uh, this is Herb Reed from the Platters. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Did you go in the bathroom to talk to him? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was praying that the, that, the, that the alarm didn't go off so I wouldn't have to drop the call. So he tells me, uh, I got you, I got you, your, your, your tape. You know, he's, he's old school, so he's yeah. got your tape. I, yeah. I got your tape. and Wow, my man. Wow. <laughs> Uh, and I'm 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 lost for words. He says, uh, "I need you to come over to you know I live in in the Boston area. I need you to come over and talk to me." I was like, eh, "Okay." So I, I book a flight and I get over there, and he takes me up to this rec room that he has in his in his condo building, and there's the rest of the group, and and I'm sitting there, and he says, "Well, what song do you want to sing?" Uh, like I, I can do my prayer, he says. And what key do you do it in? I said, What do you mean? What key do I do it in? He said, Well, what key do you do it? I said, I sing it in the original key. He says, No, you don't. <gasps> I said, Yeah, I sing it in the original key. So he plays it, and I sing it, and you 
you could hear a pin drop in the room when it's over and I'm like okay this is the end this is the end of this and everybody's looking at each other and they're smiling and he because they don't want to talk before he does and he says wow and then he says would you like to sing with me and I'm like I'm I'm like I'm happy I'm like I can I'm gonna do the backgrounds I'm gonna sing ooh ah do the little steps and stuff he says no I want you to sing the hits for me I want you to be the lead oh and I wow it was the most incredible day you know and 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 things happen throughout the years and I left the group for some reasons, and then uh, he, was, he he got sick. Fast forward, and a lot of years, and he calls me back. And he, he calls me, and I'm sitting with him, and he says, Frankie, uh, you know, we had our moments and back and forth, but I need you to come back. And I'm like, what's up, Herb? You know, I love the guy. He was like a father to me. You know, things happen. And right. he says to me, and I'll never forget this. He says, if I'd have had you back when Tony Williams left the group, we would have made millions more. Oh, wow. Now, just imagine when your idol and the group that you idolize your whole life tells you that if I'd have been there after the yeah. original lead left. Right. I will never forget it. It's probably the most incredible day of my life. Wow. Wow. He, he, he died not long after that. And, you know, we performed as much as we could, and I, I stayed with them up until about 2015, and then it just wasn't the same anymore. So I went on to do my own thing, and I, you know, wish those guys the best. Right. But those memories you can never take away. Absolutely not. I mean, that is more than a dream come true for you. Absolutely. You know, and you have days in your life when you look back and you, you have a hard time. You're like, what have I accomplished in my life? And, oh, my God, you know, it's like nothing's working out. And then you got to remember <laughs> the stuff that I've seen and I've done. I'm like, I have got no place to complain about anything. I have experienced things and been places and talked to people and sang with people that, you know, people only dream about. And they, they, they've called me friend. Called and if friend. I get, if I get nothing else, that's good enough for me. Well, who are your favorites? I, and I hate using that word because I, I don't really mean favorites, you know, but your most memorable moments of who you've performed with. How about that? Oh wow! But see, the, the thing is, a lot of those places, a lot of those people, they're all in different genres and stuff. So, right. I mean, yeah. Does anyone it's stand out in your mind that you were like, "Wow, this is really cool"? Well, when you when you're standing with Tony Bennett or Barbara Streisand, right. those things, you know, and then I love the old music. So the Tops, it's it's all got its own thing. You know, I'm a, I've always been a big harmony guy. I'm a friend, a fan of of good sound and sharp harmonies and things. So, you know, I, I've been on shows with the Tokens and the Brooklyn Bridge and the, the Drifters and, you know, the Coasters and, you know, uh, 
Frankie, okay, you're breaking. Frankie, you're breaking. <laughs> Wait, Frankie, you're breaking up a little bit. I don't know what's happening. Just a little bit. I don't know. Is it better? Okay. Sounds a little bit better. Okay. Yep. Okay, so, you know, I got to tour with all these groups and all these people, so it, each each experience has its own uh, greatness for me. Okay. Wow, and the tokens, I got to meet them. I've gotten to meet a lot of the oldie artists as well, and it's incredible for me. I can't imagine for you. You know? Oh, man, you know, Johnny Maestro and all these kind of guys, <laughs> you know, and actually got to sit and have conversation. You can't beat that. Can't beat that. <laughs> it's it's amazing, right? I mean, the conversation itself was better than even being on stage. I mean, <laughs> they, they sit there and talk with you. <laughs> You know, I went to an event not so long ago, and Steve Lawrence was there. That's cool. And I'm sitting there talking to him about things, and, you know, the older guys tend to talk to you as if what you're saying matters. It's a different world now. You know, they talk to you, and it's like they're interested in what you got to say, and they're very happy that you're, you're interested in what they have to say, and that, that's what life really should be about. I want to comment on that. You are absolutely right. I'll never forget, you know, okay, Al Contrera from the Mystics. I had him on my show. The guy's in his 80s. He wrote a book about the mob and the Mystics, right? In his 80s. Incredible. He hugged and kissed me and thanked me. You thought I gave him a million dollars. And I I almost cried. And I was like, are you kidding me? You are honoring me. You know? People, people have value. In the past, they had value for things. You know, we look at it, we look at our at our legends, and we look at them for what they've contributed and what they've given to us. And nowadays, that's not you know, it's all about a dollar. That's right. You're right. You know, and it's really not about it's it's not honoring anything. It's not the importance of anything. Everything is a mimic now. You know, you know one of the best compliments I ever got during a sh- after a show, this little old lady and her little group came up to me and she tugged on my jacket and she says Frankie can I talk to you I said sure can I tell you something I was like sure and I'm looking to hear because after a while you hear the same you're the great voice and blah 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 and you get you get beside yourself sometimes and then something happens and somebody says something to you that really means something and she says you know why we love you Frankie and I'm like tell me why dear what's up she says we love you because we believe you and the point of that is that when you sing a song, there's a difference between performing because you love the music and performing because you're getting a check. You're right. People can tell when you're gigging. You're people right. People can tell. You're right. When you go up there and you sing a song and people see the emotion and that you're connected with the words and what the song means. That's what that's about. You know, when these guys did their songs back in the days, they sang with passion. Because their checks weren't that great. That's right. The check was extra. It's an honor to serve and the pay is extra like we did in the military. That That's what that's about. You know, everything is not a gig and everything's not a paycheck. And it's unfortunate because some people, all they have is that paycheck. But you can still, during that time, I think your paycheck would be better and your reward would be better if you did it with the mentality of, I'm doing this because I have a love for it and not because I have to pay my rent. You're absolutely right. You know, you're right, Frankie. Listen, I'm on five different networks, right? I absolutely love it. Okay. People think I'm a million. I crack up and laugh. I said, yeah, really? If you only knew. I said, we do this because we love this. 
You well, know, what do, they, what do they say, right? If, if, if you love your job, you never work. That's a day right. In your life. That's right. But you're right about they. You know, the older musicians, and you know, first of all, they began it all for us, right? I mean, if sure, it wasn't absolutely. for them, they made the pathways. I mean, Elvis Presley, forget it. You know, uh, to this day, you know, what's funny about that? Like, I think about Elvis, and I think how. All these years later, well, he was famous before I was born. I was born in 61, right? He was famous not only before I was born. Okay, my granddaughter, who is four, if I say to her, who's the cutest guy ever? Who's the cutest guys ever, I say. And she says, brother Christian, her brother, my grandson, and Elvis. (laughs) You know what that is, too, is that we're we're not teaching the new generations about nothing. See, when I grew up, my father listened to opera and the show tunes and, and, and Sinatra and all this stuff. So I grew up with an appreciation because I got a culture. I was taught. What, what they're doing now, you know, as much as they might call it music, what happened to the bridges and, and the choruses and the melodies? Everything's on a beatbox and, and right. there's no, you know, I don't want to say it's not talent. But it's not, uh, you know, where's the music, the musicianship in it? Where are the harmonies? Where, where are those things? And and uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, we we were taught about music. We learned to appreciate different genres of music and what they brought and how one genre uh, pours into another right. one and how jazz and rock, yeah. you know, all all come in a row. And how, you know, and when people say that music is dying and the genre is dying, no, it's not. No, it's not. Because you listen to opera that was done in the 1700s and you're still, you're still listening to it. It's still, it's still around. So right. what you might not be doing, some of these people, you might not be squeezing the money out of it, but the music is not going to die. It's never going to die because somebody's always going to come and make it fresh again, like bell bottoms. Right. Yes. So you're going to tell me that a genre that will do up and oldies music is dying. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh. What you can get out of it might be dying, but the music is never going to die. And there's guys like me and uh, my friend Stevie Dunham over at... at Stevie D, baby. Stevie D. And and Ramon up in Murano and all those people over there at Remember That Radio who honor the music and honor the people that did it. Well... Um, Stevie D is in the house. Okay. Saying hello. Uh, yes, he's our connection. And I thank you, Stevie D. Awesome. Incredible, incredible interview here. Let's play another song, sweetheart. Let's play, uh, only you. All right, guys, here we go. Only you.
So that was incredible. <laughs> I mean, absolutely incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have a friend, Patty, saying hello to you in the chat room, by the way. Hey, Patty. Okay. So let's talk about um, you being a fireman. Okay. So did you sing for them? <laughs> uh, after 9-11, um, the, the person who had originally been doing uh, the national anthem for the job died at the oh. World Trade Center. Oh. And, and so that left a void. And, you know, I, 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 aside from digging and all that stuff, I thought of what other way could I contribute? And I volunteered for that spot and did a lot of their national anthems and stuff at a lot of the events since then. Wow. That's sad. You know, very sad. Um, so you served in Iraq. I'm sorry, what was that? So you served in Iraq. Yes, ma'am. I surely did. Served during Desert Storm. Wow. So did you bring hope and encouragement through singing to some of the soldiers? I did. I, I sang while I was with the with the troops and stuff. We sat there and during our downtime or during time we were feeling a little low, I'd just come out with a tune like a lot of guys used to come out with a harmonica or a, or a, a guitar. I just would hum a tune. And I would like to think that it brought some comfort. Yep. Uh, of course it did. Absolutely. Um, I want to mention someone. Um, hold on one second. I'm getting a name of someone I want to mention to you because I think this is appropriate to mention on this show today. His name is Noah Galloway. Have you heard of him? I have not. Okay. He's going to be my guest uh, next week. You may want to look him up. He, um, he's an incredible, incredible young man. He's in his late thirties, I believe. And, uh, he, after nine 11, he decided that they needed his service. So he went into the army. He lost an arm and a leg. And what happened to him was it brought on depression and drinking and his kids suffered as young children. And he snapped out of it one day. And he said, that's it, I'm done. I'm done feeling sorry for myself. And what this man did was unbelievable. He actually won, I think, the third or fourth season of Dancing with the Stars. Wow. Okay. He's now an author, no excuses. Okay. Now I think I know who it is. Okay. That I do remember. Well, okay, there's two men. All right, so let me finish him, and you might be thinking of the other one, but I'm not sure. So he wrote a book. He's now an inspirational speaker all over the world. But there's another man I was talking about as well on my show prior to this. Um, no arms, no legs, no worries. Do you know him? He was born with no arms and no legs. No, don't know him. Okay, he surfs, he jumps out of planes, he's an author, he's a motivational speaker, he has a family. The guy is ridiculous. So, both of them. But Noah, he's going to be my guest, and he he served in, in the war, and that, you know, I thought that was appropriate to bring that up to you and let you know. Um, so I just want you to know, Frankie, that you did bring hope to all of them through your music, and I know deep down you know that. You have to know that. I, I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's play. Let's see, guys. All right. I want to play Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. 
Let's do it. Frankie Pizarro, everybody. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> hey. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Your voice is unbelievable. Thank you so oh much. Oh, my goodness. All right. So now let's talk about this struck me funny when you said that you've sang in arenas for 10 people or for 250,000. Tell us about that. Well, you know, there was times in the beginning that, you know, you have. Uh, you know, have a rainstorm or you have things and you perform and you go out there and there's nobody out there but the security and the staff, <laughs> you know, and then you go to, you do little schools and you might have a class and do something like that. And then you go to Spain where there, there's so many people in the street that you can't see to the end for a mile. And the, and the, the roar is incredible. You do the O2 arena in London and you do, you know, all these different places. And, you know, I always believe that the show is the show, whether you have one person or you have a million people, you do the show as if you're doing it for the same amount all the time. And, and, you know, it's, it's something to get used to because a a lot of folks, uh, you know, are really affected by the audience. And to me, an audience of one has the same value as an audience of a thousand. So, 
tell me something because sometimes, um, even for a small crowd, especially for kids, like in a school or something, right? Right. Doesn't that give you just as much pleasure though? Sometimes more. Okay. Sometimes more because kids don't lie and kids are genuine with their feelings. You know, and they're not going to like you just out of courtesy. <laughs> they're, they're your best. They're, they're some of your best judges and the best meter to, to, to judge what you're doing. Because if you can get a kid to like what you're doing, you're doing all right. That's right. I, that's right. Um, all right. So now let me ask you this. So talk a little bit about growing up in the church with your dad as a pastor. A lot of people have asked me about that. Yeah, that that wasn't really easy. I mean, okay. you know, you, you, when you're a PK, you're you're kind of held to a different standard. You know, there's a lot of folks that won't show up to church on a Sunday or doing prayer service on a Saturday or doing the Bible studies during the week, but you don't have that option. That's right. <laughs> so I spent I spent pretty much every day, you know, on a good day or a bad day. And if you didn't go, you weren't going to go out afterwards. You couldn't play sick and then want to go out later on. So that was something that I kind of like. The pastor's family has to be there at everything. <laughs> yep. So it's kind of something that, you know, my grandfather was a pastor before him. So just imagine. <laughs> you know, and, we, and then we lived in the building where the church was downstairs. So it wasn't like there was any sneaking by. So it's something that was instilled in me over time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I, you know, during the war and, and 9-11 and things that I probably wouldn't have survived if I didn't have that, that foundation. That makes sense. So I'm really grateful, really grateful for that. Okay, that makes sense. You know, I've interviewed some other artists who grew up, you know, with a pastor, dad, or grandfather. And a lot of the times they didn't have as a, a positive upbringing with it as you did that you just said I know it was a little rough but even as an adult it didn't impact them in a good way as it did for you well I think a lot of it has to do with who the pastor was because sometimes you have a pastor who the church is everything and they neglect their families okay you know and a lot of that is out of order because you, you know, your first ministry should be your 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 home. And if I, if that is out of order, then what are you really teaching? You know, how can you teach order and how can you teach love and how can you teach all of that stuff if you're not practicing it? You know, once again, that's something you have to do with a passion. That's not just a job. And and you know, somebody told me one time. I funny you bring that up because this is not biblical or anything, but. Somebody said to me one time, you know, one day you're going to you're going to stand before the gate there in heaven and they're going to have two books. And one of them is going to be all the people that came to heaven because of you. Mm. And the other one is going to be all the people that didn't go to heaven because of you. It's beautiful. Because what happens is, you know, you may not see, uh, you know, Joe Schmo. You may not never meet Joe Schmo. But Joe Schmo saw you treat somebody bad from a distance, and that might have been enough to turn him off. So when you yeah. think people are not looking, they're looking. Um, I want to I want to comment on that, but I want you to know someone is saying hello to you. 
Okay, Nikki from the Fireflies. Nikki! Hi, Nikki. Okay. The Fireflies, those guys are awesome. Okay, I just wanted you to know that. But I want to I want to comment on what you just said. Because, Frankie, I try to bring hope to all my shows. I try to, you know, regardless of the topic or, you know, who my guest is, I try to bring hope and inspiration. And what you're doing is unbelievable right now for this show. Um, and I want to comment on something you said about that. You know, somebody is always watching. Um, I had an experience years ago, about five years ago, I was putting on a class reunion and I also owned a poker league, a free poker league. They would win prizes and I was in all the restaurants in Mercer County with it. And there was one restaurant in my town where a husband and a wife went to high school with me and they got married. And I, they were sitting at the bar eating dinner one night and there was another couple at the bar where the corner of the bar is. They were on one side and the other couple was on the other. So I'm standing at the corner facing my friends. And I say to my friends, listen, I hope Sharon and Bruce get their butts to this reunion. I love both of them. And they also got married together and we graduated with them. They haven't been to one of our reunions and it's at his brother's place. Well, the couple sitting there says to me, Sharon's my sister. (laughs) I said, I turned around. I said, you're messing with me, right? And he's like, no. And could you imagine if the conversation went a little differently? I hope Sharon and Bruce Absolutely. don't come, right? <laughs> but I think Absolutely. about that all the time. And I tell everybody, listen, be nice. It doesn't take much to be nice. I don't care. Be nice. Because and that all, and that all comes back. It all comes too. back. It all comes back to you. It all comes back. I don't care what anybody says. It all comes back to you. Um, one more quick little story. And then, I'll, then we'll get back to you. Because what you're saying is just so right. I, I manage Friendly's Restaurant, and I do a lot of events there, okay? And I've had the Capris there, and, and Al Contrera came, and, you know, just um, a lot of entertainers have come for me. But I was managing one night, and this little girl was out of control crying and screaming and yelling and throwing a tantrum. And people were making faces at each other. It's Friendly's, you know what I mean? So I go up to her and I go, hey, sweet pea, are we having a bad day? Come here, I want to give you something. And I give her a balloon and a stuffed animal. That was the end of it, I thought. About three weeks ago, I interview someone who says, I have to hook you up with my friend. It was about addiction. She's a recovery coach as well. The woman gets in touch with me. We end up meeting. I tell her to meet me at Friendly's for lunch. She's like, oh, my goodness. Now I know how, how I know you. My daughter had a tantrum in here. Wow. <laughs> okay, so listen. Always be nice. <laughs> this world is not that big. <laughs> okay. This, I was in Singapore. I did a show in Singapore. Okay. And coming down the escalator was some guy from Brooklyn. <laughs> so you ain't going to tell me that this world is too big that folks are not going to know. Okay. So. Wow. But I love that about the two books when you get to heaven. I love that. Wow. I mean, it's true. It's true. I mean, people see and people make judgments on that. You know, that sadly, people don't always judge on what they know. That's right. They judge on what they're told. That's right. And judge on what they see without really realizing what they do see and what they don't see. That's right. You know, I, I've... 
you know, I have a way about me. I can, you know, I'm strong but firm. I can come across sometimes as intimidating. But the people who are friends of mine and the people who I really know, know because they didn't take that enough or listen to what other people said. And they just came up to me and says, hey. And then when I greeted them, they're like, this is not the same guy people have been talking about. <laughs> you know, and it's real easy for people to come to conclusions and make judgments and stuff based on how it benefits them. You're right. So I try not to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, you get a, a, a lot of chances with me to, to, uh, mess up. Right. You know, cause who, who, who of us is not, has not done something to somebody or, or said something that they wish they hadn't said. You're right. You know, I had the benefit after nine eleven, and, you know, I've had a couple of surgeries since then and, you know, nothing that's affected my vocals or my day-to-day at this point, thank God. But, you know, I've come to grips with, you know, when you face your own mortality, that you sit there and you say, you know what, if I have a chance to see this person or find this person, I like to apologize. You know, I've apologized to people who have no idea what I'm talking about. But the truth is, forgiveness is not really about you. It's not about them, rather, the, the forgiveness. The forgiveness is about you. You know, you forgive somebody because, you know, you take that off of yourself. You know, they're going to feel how they feel about you. But, you know, only you can control how you feel. You're right about that. Wow. That's how how I learned to roll. You know, tomorrow's not promised, and I don't want to go have another friend or somebody go, and I stay with that on me. You're right. Wow. There it is. Okay. That's why I was happy when Herb called me back because he called me back and we, we buried the hatchet and he, you know, all was well in Platter's Land again. You know, I want to um, touch base on that as well for people listening because sure. I had to forgive my mother. My mother didn't abuse me, but, well, I, you know, as a child, you think you're being abused, you know, but my mother had a very, very hard childhood herself. Right. And when right. I, I didn't know the details completely. So anyway, I held some grudges against my mother being mean, you know, and all that. Um, well, when my mother passed away, I, because of Facebook, I connected with some of her cousins, older women who were able to talk to me and tell me about my mother's past. And I remember crying on my knees out to my mother who was already passed away and telling her I forgive her. And it was like this cloud just lifted off of me. So you, you can do that even if the person is gone, guys, you know, just make amends because it it really is about you. Right. You, you got to think about it. My father, if my father was the way he was with me, I can only imagine how his father was with him. That's right. You know, you know, up to the day he passed away, my mother, my father never said, I love you. Yes. They didn't know Ever. how to. They didn't know but, how to. You know, when I was a kid, he gave me horsey rides. Right. And he always, he never came home from work with his pocket empty for me. You know, those kind of things. But, you know, there was something I needed. So the day he passed away, everybody left the room. And I said, I said, let me try this one last time. And I said, Dad, I love you. And he looked at me and he gave me the, you know, the little head shrug that that wise guys give you. They give you the little head up and they they, they crunch their lips up. Hey, you know, like, how you doing? Yeah. And he died and he never said it. And I carried that for a long time. 
But I look at the life that he gave me and the foundation that he gave me. And, you know, I, I came to grips with that. I came to grips with that because, you know, I, I can only imagine what he had to go through for him to be how he was. Right. And so thank God for my mom. I'm, you know, I only got half of that. Right. <laughs> so. Well, I thank God for my dad. Yep. So we, we kind of had the same upbringing, you and I. It sounds the same. Um, So now I'm going to play Twilight Time. Okay, everybody, here we go. Another incredible song. So beautiful. Wow. Just incredible voice. Incredible voice. So. Thank you. Wow. So I want to ask you, um, you've sang everything. Okay. And and again, you know, I hate using the word favorite. I I know you don't have a favorite, but what, okay. What kind of genre, genre, when you sing, you feel you're most fulfilled while singing? my thing is, it's not so much the genre. Is I'm I'm a big anthemic, big note kind of guy. Okay. 
you know, I'm the kind of guy that likes to sing like the Josh Groban, oh. you know, the big, the big Whitney Houston notes, those Celine Dion, those big, you know, the way Tony Bennett and them used to do, they sing those big, huge notes. They see that that's what I like to do. I like to do modulations and I like to do big notes. So, you know, that's, that's more of how I, how I describe the kind of music. I okay. Like. Gotcha. It either has to have that or it has to have some really good harmony stuff going on. I, I, I love that stuff. The take six and, and all those old school harmony things. Love that stuff. The street corner stuff. Amazing. Amazing. So I ask all my singers, especially doo-wop singers, if they would honor us with a little doo-wop, even just 10 seconds. I don't care. <laughs> doo-wop? Uh, you know, or, or acapella is really what I'm asking. Right. Um, <clears throat> wow, I got to think about that. Anything. So many different things. Um, Whatever you sing in the shower, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Oh. Um. And now the purple dust of twilight time steals across the meadows of my heart. High up in the sky, the little stars climb, always reminding me that we're apart. You wander down the lane and far, far away, leaving me a song that will not die. Love is now the stardust of yesterday, the music of the years. Okay, are you there? I'm here. Okay, that was incredible. People are typing beautiful. Um, wow, okay? Unbelievable. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I did not expect that. Usually, they'll just give me a few notes and be like, okay. That was magnificent. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. That shows someone's voice right there. Putting them on the spot through a phone, okay, and saying, do that. Unreal. <laughs> yes, Nick, you're right. It's unreal and it sounds great. Nick is saying, happy holidays to everyone. To you too, Nick. You too, Nick. Wow. Everyone is, oh, okay. So, wow. All right. So I have, I have a question. Um, you know, I've been wanting to ask you this. Um, when I read all your your notes and everything, I've been wanting to ask you this because, you know, I'm a New Yorker, right? Mm -hmm. And you sang for all these teams. Mm -hmm. um, the World Series. How did that yeah. How did that make you feel? That was one of the most incredible experiences because you know I, I i research everything before i do things and and i you know i looked and i realized that that's not something that everybody gets to do no and so when i got to do it it was it was such an honor first of all and they, they treat you like royalty when you do it it's it's really really 
a cool, classy thing. You know, all the, the organizations treat you really well. And to do it and to, you know, right when you get to the last part of that song, when the cheers are already beginning <laughs> and you know that you nailed it, you know, each place is a different experience, is a different way of doing it. But wow, it's it, it's really overwhelming. It's really overwhelming experience. Well, your buddy Stevie D, he had your back with this interview. He kept sending me music. He kept sending me videos, and he sent me that video. <laughs> okay? And I had tears in my eyes because I was watching your face and you. And I was like, this must be incredible. Oh, I, I was in awe. You know, <laughs> and, then, and then right after I sang the song, I went back up to my where they put me to, to hang out during the game to watch the game and I got a, a call from the Daily News. Okay. Actually it was from it was from the press office from the fire department and they said you need to get somewhere quiet because the Daily News wants to talk to you right now. Wow. Because they saw the performance and it was you know it, 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 this is something I have to say about that. Yes. When you when something is for you when something's for you, you don't have to struggle, you don't have to beg, you don't have to do all the nasty things that a lot of people do to get what they want. If you do what God has put into you to do, and you just do that to the best that you can, all the rest of that other stuff is going to fall into place. I sang at the at all these venues and for all these games and all these countries in places that a lot of play people won't ever get to do. And it's not through anything that I asked for. It's just that I did with the gift what God had me to do with the gift. And and I did nothing else and I stayed humble. And and when you do it that way, everything else falls into place. And it's going to come in the time that it's supposed to. Because when you force things, it doesn't usually work out the way it's supposed to because it wasn't really meant for you. You know, people ask, how did you get that? And how did you do this? And how did you get there? It just happened to happen. Where people audition, I, you know, I did what I do and people saw it and they called me. Not to make it any more special than anybody else. But I just did and worked on what it was in my power to do. And if something's meant for you, you'll get the call or somebody will come and say, somebody wants to talk to you. I have to comment on that because, wow, you just... I, I could cry right now listening to what you just said because I'm going to tell you something and I haven't said this yet publicly. When I started my shows years ago, I brought God into almost all of them. I even put out prayer with shows, including this past Tuesday night, if anyone needs prayer. I had someone call in and we prayed with her. Okay? People would say this to me, but Jer, don't you think that's going to hinder your growth with your shows? Don't you think people are not going to want to hear about God? Don't you think... Now, three and a half years later, Frankie, I'm on five networks and I just entered the Hall of Fame internationally. And Congratulations. No, but thank you. But I say that to say this. In spite of God. God did this. People were telling me, if you keep talking about God on your shows, you're not going to get anywhere. 
And I said, well, then I'm well, not going to get anywhere. That's, that's right. Be. That's right. I said, then I'm not going to get anywhere. I'm going to do what he wants. And look where it brought me. So you're right, and what Frankie. That does, what that truly does is it, 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 it siphons out. It, it, it shakes out all the stuff that you don't need to be dealing with. You're right. And, and everything else that's left standing when it's all over is what's meant for you. Yep. And he was faithful so, to you and me. That's right. Wow. I'm so glad you said all that. This was a beautiful interview. So this is what's happening. We're coming to the close of this incredible interview. But, no. Well, we've got 10 minutes. <laughs> we've got 10 full minutes. It goes by fast, right? But this isn't over because I'm going to interview you again. Um, and Stevie D, I might interview you guys together. How about that? Because we can't let Stevie D not be part of this next time. Okay. Um, Listen, I never knew. I didn't know Stevie until I got to Las Vegas. And immediately we were brothers. See that? He's still listening. He's, he's typing. A, he's got a spirit about him. That yes. Everybody should experience. Yes. He's still here with us. I love you, Stevie D. So... But what I want to say is this. We've got like 10 minutes. I am absolutely closing this show, of course, with You Raise Me Up. Okay? I want to close with that because I had in order of what I needed to do. I wanted to open with my prayer and I want to close with that. But you've got like six, seven more minutes. I want, I don't want to miss anything that you want to say. I've asked you some questions, but if there's anything important that we did not touch on, or you want to talk about, let's do that now. Wow. You don't have that much time. <laughs> it's okay. I, well, well, I'm going to make you laugh. Stevie's saying that you are his pain in the... You, yeah, he is my pain in the brother, LOL. <laughs> yeah, it takes one to know one. There you go. But I don't want to leave something out that's important that, that you thought we should have touched on. No, I, I, just, I just would love for the industry and the people that do things in the industry you know there's a there's a there's there's one promoter out on the east coast that i really love he's al simone he's with legend promotions he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever ever meet a really really nice guy and the the reason why i say that is because he does business from the heart and you know there's there's a lot of other people who are doing it just to see how much money they can make off of the back of the artists and and he's not one of those people so i just wanted to give him a shout out yep you know if, if he's listening and um aside from that you know there are there are things i want to do you know i want to do some huge orchestral shows like uh there's a guy named andre ryu who's coming out here he has like a 70 piece orchestra he's coming out to las vegas i've been loving trying to get in touch with him so not that he would be listening, but if anybody's listening, you know, <laughs> uh, that would be another dream. You know, my thing and, and the show that I'm building will have that aspect. It will have a full orchestra and I will do these songs the way they're supposed to be done. And, you know, that, that would be the, the crowning jewel on top of everything that I've done in my whole life. And, and I'm going to make that happen because that's something that I want to do, not the way anybody else wants it done, but I'm going to do it because that's something that I want to do. Well, you're of course invited. Well, I, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Okay. I am in baby. I am in. Um, but listen, Al Simone is the greatest Kojak saying. So you know what? Everybody out there who's listening, once I get this 
uh, show up on Facebook and it's downloaded, share this show. Maybe we can get it to Al Simone. How about that? Well, I've, I've, I've worked for Al Simone a couple of times and he is an amazing, an amazing guy. So nice. You know, he's an amazing guy. So, you know, one day if you ever do a, a, a promoter spot, he would definitely be the way because he, he, he's one of the people that gives me hope that all promoters are not that way. Well, you know, he, he is a really, really good man. He's a good man on top of being a, a lover of the music. Okay. Well, you can, you can get me hooked up with him. We'll work this I out. I sure will. I sure get you in touch with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Um, what an amazing, amazing interview. I want to say to everybody out there, I want to thank everybody out there, first of all, for listening. Um, cause like I always say, if I didn't have my listeners, I'd be talking to myself. So I want to thank all of you out there for listening. Um, once this show gets downloaded, please share it. What an incredible, incredible guest. What a great interview. I want to thank Remember Them Radio for giving us this opportunity. Um, I love you guys. And what more can I say about Frankie? Frankie, listen, you took a piece of my heart um, because of everything that's in this poem. And, you know, getting to interview you now personally and talking to you, I can actually feel your heart. And I can say one more thing to people. Absolutely. You know, we have to remember that the only reason why we're on this earth is to serve other people, not to serve ourselves or fill our pockets. Oh my goodness. So if, if you made one other person's life happy or better, then you've done what you were meant to do here. The rest of it is, it really has nothing to do with anything. It has, it serves no purpose than, than to, to live a, you know, day to day. But if you can bring one more person happiness in a day, make one more person's life happy, give them something to look forward to and give them hope, then you did what you were supposed to do. And then you can die, you know, knowing that you served. Amen. Frankie, thank you. Wow. I love you for this interview. This isn't over. I thank you so much. It's time to close now. It was an honor to be here with you. Thank you. We will. And thank you again. We're going to close out the show. Guys, with you raise me up because I think it's incredibly appropriate. Hey.